Where in hell can you go? Far from the things that you know Far from the sprawl of concrete that keeps crawling its way Keep your heart off your sleeve Guppy Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi Written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher Episode 10 Christmas in Bahawo. I suppose sometimes there aren't words big enough to adequately express feelings or emotions, and sometimes feelings and emotions take a while to find their place. And for me, seeing the lodge for the first time is such an occasion. Last time I was here, this was just flat land. And Phil was in a trench laying a foundation stone. And now we have a lodge, or sort of a lodge. And Phil and I are together again. And we're with Tim and Julie. And we have beautiful handmade dolphins and seahorses on the walls. All in all, it's too big a thing to say with words, so I won't try. I'll just let it all sink in for a bit and maybe come up with something in a day or so. In the meantime, we offload my 40 kilos of luggage. Phil gives me the tour and shows me our bedroom. At least it's the place where we'll be sleeping for now until our proper, eventually intended bedroom is ready. And tonight we'll be sleeping together. And improper things will happen. But for now, as I try to order my first impressions and reactions, it's coffee and cigarettes to help with the jet lag. And I have a sense that in ten years' time, I'll remember these moments as though they happened yesterday. We have a laugh about the steep steps... And the windows where there should be doors, because what else can you do? And it's all smiles with the locals. And there'll be no chance of any sleep until late into the night, but that's okay. I slept a bit on the plane anyway. And who needs sleep when there's all of this? I left London in freezing temperatures, and now I'm back in the tropics, which is wonderful enough. And I badly need a shower, and then more coffee and cigarettes, and I'll be about ready for anything. Here is my future, our future... And I'm seeing it for the first time. It isn't here yet. We still have a lot to do. And we'll have to go back. But our future is coming. And it's waiting here for us. And now I have a real sense of it for the first time. And it's a good feeling. Which words can't really describe. Well, not yet anyway. It'll be Christmas in a couple of days. We're neither of us Christians, or anything else for that matter, but we were born and raised into Protestant Christian families, and we've been invited to the big church in the village for Christmas Evensong on Christmas Eve. So we'll be going to that. There has, I believe, been a deal of speculation around the village as to the direction and extent of our religious leanings. The general assumption, I suppose, being that we're Christian, but that could be Catholic or some other variation on the general theme. This part of North Sulawesi is predominantly Protestant Christian, 
although there is a healthy representation of Catholicism, particularly in the highlands. And we have Islam, by far the dominant Indonesian religion, and Hinduism in small measure. And we even have that which I believe or have been told is the only synagogue in Indonesia which serves a small Orthodox Jewish community. Everyone gets along fine and interfaith marriages are common, either one or the other of the couple changing their religion at the drop of a bishop's mitre, attending church one Sunday and then the mosque the following Friday, or vice versa. And nobody seems to make very much of it. One cannot help but feel that people and populations in certain other parts of the world could learn something from such religious tolerance. But, be that as it may, being an atheist is not an option in these parts, and we have never been asked directly to which denomination we belong. That is not the Indonesian way. It came to pass, however, that during this stay, when neither Paula nor I were around, that the vicar of the Pentecostal church found the courage to ask Tim and Julie what we were. To which they replied that we worship the sun and the moon. This must have been an interesting conversation, since neither Tim nor Julie have any Indonesian, and the vicar speaks no English, but the message apparently got through. Now, this kind of jocularity may be all very well in the more liberal-minded and less God-fearing society of Britain, but it doesn't go down so well around here. We laugh about it with Tim and Julie, whilst at the same time wondering how this may have affected the way the villagers view the strange and now even stranger new interlopers. In any case, nobody has asked us again.
The day before Christmas Eve, Julie and I take Aris, who has become de facto our driver, and head for the downtown. Our aim is to buy presents for the people who have become significant to us and to the lodge, and especially for their children. The giving and receiving of gifts isn't done in the village, it's a luxury nobody can afford. And in a way, this brings into the sharpest focus how little the people have here, and how this compares with the rampant consumerism of the West. In our home country, Phil and I don't regard ourselves as being particularly rich, but here, in rural Indonesia, we are rich beyond imagining, which is something that it's easy to forget. So, we buy small gifts for the likes of Aris and Surja and their three sons, and for Nyoman and Melda, his wife, and their son, who is called Einstein. Just small things, sets of glasses, cushions, things for the house, and cartons of chocolate milk for the kids, so that they get a treat once a year. It's a fun thing to do, but it's not without pathos, and all of the gifts are so gratefully received, in such a quiet, polite, Indonesian way that it puts a lump in your throat and leaves you with mixed feelings. Early on Christmas Eve evening, just after dark has descended upon the village, our peace is disturbed by the sound of powerful motorbikes. Several riders have ridden to the front of the lodge and are making much noise and ado about their presence. The four of us go to the front balcony on the first floor, our situation not being helped by the fact that we are in the middle of a power cut, so all we can see in the darkness are headlights, and all we can hear are the men, for they are all men, shouting at us in incomprehensible Indonesian and sounding rather drunk as they do so. We don't really know what to shout back, other than, what do you want, and other lame questions and statements, such as, we are English. Enter onto the scene Mr. Benjamin, the headman, Nyoman, and several other men from the village, who talk at some length with the riders, who eventually turn their bikes around and leave. Apparently they were policemen, out for a Christmas jaunt, and what they wanted from us was beer or any kind of alcohol, and we are grateful to Benjamin and the others for interceding. It was not, they tell us, a threatening situation, but it felt rather like one, and we were at least saved from an evening spent with several drunken policemen, who can at times wield their considerable power indiscriminately. And so to the highlight of Village Christmas, Evensong on Christmas Eve, where most of the village are assembled in the church in their Sunday best, together with various dogs, chickens and general domestic fauna. And the service is given by the Protestant vicar, he who blessed our lodge, and who is a nice old chap. Prayers are said, which we don't understand, but we get the gist of it. And the hymns are the same as at home, adapted to the Indonesian. And the people here sing beautifully. At the end, to the strains of Silent Night, or Malam Kudus, as we say in Indonesia, we are invited to ceremoniously take lighted candles up the aisle and place them as part of a cross in front of the altar, an honour bestowed only upon the few. 
We aren't Christians, but this is a moving and spiritual experience in any language. And after the service, cakes and coffee are served to the whole village. And some of the children cannot contain their excitement and decide to set off some fireworks, which they throw around the place with gay abandon. All goes well until one settles on the traditional palm roof of the house opposite the church. Men are quickly galvanised into action with buckets of water. The fire is quickly extinguished and disaster is averted. Otherwise, it has been a lovely evening, even for a couple of heathens like us, and testament to how we have already been accepted into this small community. We don't know everyone yet, but I'm determined that we will, given time. In a few days, we will go home. But home is becoming an increasingly difficult thing to define. And in a way, and increasingly, it feels as though we're already there. The small gifts which we gave are put away in cupboards or behind glass cases and are never used. Too special even for special occasions. So there's the pathos again. We'll have second Christmas with my family when we get back, but this has been a particular Christmas and one which neither of us will ever forget. Motherland Don't you go. Find out what further adventures are in store for Phil and Paula as they travel from Colchester to Sulawesi in the next episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience.